Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. Something to talk about when it comes to the Packers. Obviously got the Cincinnati Bengals game on Sunday in Cincy. Uh, but first, let's a little phone call here. Yep. Um, Stefan Gilmore, hello. Yep. Is Stefan, you there? Hello. Stefan Gilmore. Rowdy, Devontae Adams commented on Instagram for Stefan Gilmore to call him. Devontae Adams then tweeted out last night at 7.15 p.m. He never called, dot, dot, dot. Devontae Adams out there actively trying to recruit Stefan Gilmore. And then, like I said, posted on his Instagram account, call me. And uh, Devontae Adams then posted on Twitter, he never called. Well, here's Devontae Adams. Yeah, I guess he didn't see it, but uh, yeah, I kept it with the the IG comment just to see just how hungry he was to be a Packer. But I guess he wanted to, he had other plans. But yeah, it stopped at that uh, at that comment. So you got players actively recruiting for Stephon Gilmore. Last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers was the now de facto GM of the Green Bay Packers. Apparently, Rodgers. I have comments from him upcoming. But Adams was asked. If you got excited about thinking about Stephon Gilmore coming to Green Bay, Rowdy, did you get excited about the idea of Stephon Gilmore coming to Green Bay? No, not at all, honestly. Just because we did briefly talk about it yesterday about how it would make a lot of sense for the Green Bay Packers to pursue Gilmore and even uh, Smith to an extent. Yeah, but we aren't going to hold our breath because normally the Packers don't do things like that, especially in season. Uh huh. So I didn't, I didn't get excited. <laughs> I would have been. I guess pleasantly surprised if they would have gotten him. Here is Devontae Adams, if he got excited or not, about Stephon Gilmore, who he's trying to recruit to Green Bay, about coming to Green Bay. I mean, it's it's just news. I mean, especially here. I don't, I wasn't expecting that to happen anyway. But, uh, you know, if it was a little bit more, I think they, they got a pretty good feeling of how we're going to move as a defense, so I wasn't really expecting it to happen. I only commented that to stir some shit up just to, just to be funny. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, maybe great to have him. He's a great player, one of, one of the best in the league still, for sure. So um, not it wasn't a joke like I didn't want him here. Definitely would want him here, but definitely did not expect us to pick him up. So I think Devontae and you have something in common there, Rowdy. You guys yeah. both did not expect it to happen. Well, we've both been around the Packers organization and followed it for a long time. <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams was also asked, and we'll have comments from Aaron Rodgers coming up here. Uh, Devontae Adams was also asked about, Stephon Gilmore and signing a player like him or Jalen Smith to show that the Packers are more urgent to build a roster for a Super Bowl now. Because if you're on this last dance connotation, this last dance storyline, wouldn't the last dance storyline, Rowdy, be something like signing a Stephon Gilmore? Especially when he got an injury back there? Well, Adams was asked kind of about like the urgency to build a roster now for a Super Bowl run, and he talks again. Well, that's, that's the mentality every year. I mean, my third year, I was hoping that we could sign somebody so – you know, we could make a run at it or my second year or whatever it was every time. This this year is not really any different as far as that. As long as I'm a Green Bay Packer, I'm going to be trying to win a Super Bowl, and that's going to be my mindset regardless. So, um, 
I mean, this year, obviously, there's a lot more drama and all that, but we don't think about that. Um, you know, when it's time to win games, I want to have whoever is here this year, next year, a year, two years ago. You know, that's, that's just kind of the mindset is whatever it, it can take to, you know, bring this team a, a championship. Uh, he kind of just danced on the question there. Well, so I mean, especially when you've had Brett Favre and then to Aaron Rodgers for like over 30 years. <laughs> That should be the expectation every year is that you want to win a Super Bowl. Yep. When you look around and you look at all the teams that have won Super Bowls over the years. It is called Title Town. The majority of time, the team that wins the Super Bowl has a pretty darn good quarterback, right? Yep. It just kind of makes sense. And when you have two guys that are top 10 all-time quarterbacks, you expect to win Super Bowls. You should expect to be in the thick of it every single year. But I will say this. I did see some uh, folks, especially some big J's on Twitter, saying it might not have been the Packers on why Gilmore didn't become a Packer. He might have wanted to actually go to Carolina because he saw their team. He saw Matt Rule. And also, he's from South Carolina, played football in college at South Carolina. That was kind of his, his hometown team, you would say, even though he's from South Carolina. Yeah. So, I mean, he had, he had uh, other ties to Carolina, which might have been why he would have preferred to go there instead of Green Bay. I get that. And I again, get as long as the Packers were actively trying to get him, it makes sense. There was never a guarantee that you no, were going to no, get him. No, no, uh, Actively trying? I wonder if they were or not. Uh, Aaron Rodgers but was I, I will also say this. It does get a little bit annoying when you have like your GM or whoever it is come up. It could be Gutekunst. It could be Mark Murphy come up and go, well, we tried. And it's like they always say they try, but then nothing what ever did, happened. What did Brian Gutekunst say when he was first hired as GM? We're going to be in every single conversation. Yeah, at some point, sometimes with some of these players in these deals, it's like, well, trying is not really just a thing anymore. Go do it. Yeah, and when it comes to trying and being in every single conversation, uh, my theory is Brian Gutekunst just picks up the phone, dials the number, and praise it goes to voicemail, leaves a message like, hey, uh, yeah, Brian here, uh, Packers GM. Just, you're just wondering, you know, if, you know, how's Stefan doing? And I doing? saw other people talking, right, cool, I'll talk to you later. talking about how Gilmore, you know, he the rest of the season is due $5.4 million. Packers only roughly have about $5 million in cap space. Yeah. And then they're talking about, well, you know, the Carolina Panthers offered a six-round pick. Okay, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, would I not be interested in offering a fifth-round pick? I know. Would right? I be interested in offering my very own six-round pick and see where that goes in there? Uh, Can we do a little wheeling and yeah, dealing here? Higher order of of draft picks between you know Green Bay and Carolina. I will barter all day, sir. I feel like if the Packers really wanted them, giving up a fifth-round pick is not now is not uh, over the top here. And also, if you're worried about the cap, yeah, the the five point four million is a is a little more than what their cap room had entailed. But, but they do have a guy like, I don't know, Dean Lowry, who's sitting there making over $5 million <laughs> a year that was potentially going to be cut in June yep. for uh, cap yep. cap issues, which yep. they ended up restructuring like everyone they possibly could and got under that. But anyways, he was one that was potentially going to get cut in June because of uh, how much money it would have saved him. And by the way, and by the I way. haven't seen him do diddly crap on the line. 
Yes, neither am I. <laughs> would you really? Would you really have missed a fifth round pick in cutting Dean Lowry if that's what it took to bring in uh, no. Gilmore? No, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Rowdy. You talk about you know teams needing good quarterbacks. Well, last I checked, the Packers have one. Aaron Rodgers. He was asked if he got excited when reports early yesterday said that uh, Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore was potentially headed to Green Bay. Here's number twelve. I temper my expectations most of the time. Um, so it's usually a wait and see. I don't, I don't get too excited about uh, about those things until they happen. So, you can hear it in Aaron Rodgers' voice. He's like, "That was never happening, dude. It was never well, happening. I, I'm I not getting excited." Other people talking about how well could they really fit that on their roster? Having Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Gilmore, and King. It's like, why wouldn't you want that on your roster? Now you're telling me you have one of the best corners in football. Yeah, he's got a shoulder. Uh, More will be revealed on that. You have a first-round pick in Eric Stokes who looks like, you know, he's done some good. He's gotten beat sometimes, but he's showing flashes and promise that he could really be something down the road. Uh You You would bring in Gilmore, a former pro bowler. And then you would have Kevin King would all of a sudden become your your fourth corner. And he's a guy that just last year went healthy. He graded out as being a serviceable bottom end corner. Yep. Man, Rowdy, would I, you I personally? Don't, I don't know how you could be upset with having four guys that would all grade be. out into the top 64 corners in the league. You can't be. I like how Devontae Adams is out there actively recruiting him, Stephon Gilmore. Uh, and then saying, like, I was just trolling. I knew what was going to happen anyways. And then Rodgers just heard the clip. Rodgers be like, I don't get excited about this. I temper my expectations. Essentially, it's not going to happen. Well, Rodgers got his wish, right? They got Randall Cobb. How many more times can he go in there and say, I need this guy, I need this guy, until they basically yeah. tell him to get lost again? Uh, I mean, we didn't expect it to happen at all. I know there's you know some money financials, but Rowdy just broke it down a little bit. You could have done it. And the Dean Lowry. Rowdy, would you have went up to Green Bay and helped Dean Lowry pack if that was the case? For sure. I would have done, I would would have have done it for free. Would you have drove into the airport? It's like that. We talk about bad contracts and, and some of the guys that have been signed over the years and who should have been signed and this and that. But to be completely honest with you, the the Brian Gutekunst signing of Dean Lowry, Bill. that's one of his worst contracts right there. Yeah, I a, mean, Dean Lowry played one. well for like one year. That was a stinky one. That's that smell. Dean Lowry. All right, we got uh, Razor's Edge on the way. We'll get back to the conversation coming up. Yeah, and it ain't a good look when you really look at those grades with uh, Pro Football Focus because outside of Kenny Clark, there's a lot more to be desired on hey, that line. Hey, did you hear what Matt LaFleur said earlier this week about Pro Football Focus? Who gives a damn about Pro Football Focus? I, I hear him to a point, but there also is a point where uh, you can see that they're correct, too. Yeah. We got our guy Rob Reichel coming up in an hour from Forbes.com. Talk some Green Bay Packers. As they added some players yesterday. Jalen Smith, it's not official yet, but should be official today. The linebacker from Dallas, the second-round pick, 2016. If your name is Smith and you play linebacker, you are destined to play for the Green Bay Packers. We have now three Smiths, Rowdy. Now, one's on the shelf for a while. It'll be Zadarius Smith. As Zadarius had that back surgery, they're hoping he's not out long-term. And then you have Preston Smith, who got a little banged up against the Steelers, did come back in. And now you have, oh, is it official, uh, Litbucky? Uh, then you have Jalen Smith coming in. I didn't I didn't see if it was official or not. I knew it was. all the sources said it was going to happen today. 
so, Rowdy, Jalen Smith coming in. Very surprising that the Packers cut him, or sorry, the Cowboys cut him, right? Like, was he just playing like ass this season or what? Yeah, he'd been playing pretty bad this season and then in 2020. But, I mean, he was a pro bowler in 2019. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Jalen Smith, he's a guy that went to Notre Dame. He was one of the top linebacker recruits in the country coming out of high school. Played at Notre Dame, was an absolute stud. And then in his last year at Notre Dame, tore his ACL. And that's the reason why he fell to the second round of the draft. Like, this kid was... Marked as a top, yeah, he's a this beast. is like a top fifteen talent in the NFL draft. He would be a a top fifteen pick had he not tore his. Let's just think about this. He tore his ACL and hardly played his last year at Notre Dame. Yeah, came back and big. still got drafted in the second round. Yeah, and he and came then, back big. Yeah, he came back. The guy played extremely well. He's been a Pro Bowler. Uh, you saw flashes of it. Uh, the guy's got a ton of speed. What are we always questioning with some of the linebackers that play not inside? Fast enough. Yeah, the AJ Hawks of the world, the Blake Martinez. Martinez of the world, yeah. they couldn't just run sideline to sideline. They're just well, kind of slow graders. Yeah, if there's one thing that Jalen Smith can do, it's he can run sideline to sideline. We're talking about a guy that uh, coming out of Notre Dame was listed at 6'2", 245. He ran a 4'4". Yeah, uh, our guy Reese Draft found here. What's up, Owen? He says uh, ACL, MCL, PCL, and nerve damage tore knee in the last game of college versus Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Uh, let's see here. Reading the Cowboys' decision to release Smith can be viewed surprisingly because of what he was—a 100-plus tackle a year linebacker with a Pro Bowl on his resume and a contract that averaged 11.4 mil a year. Yeah, he's a guy that can move sideline to sideline too. I, I know he's struggled at times, especially in the last year plus. But also, if there's one thing we know about the Green Bay Packers, unlike the Dallas Cowboys, where he was at, the Dallas Cowboys. Back when Jalen Smith was drafted, they had the Sean Lees of the world. They have uh, Leighton Vander Esch. They have some really good, talented linebackers. There was a lot of focus put on the linebacker position in Dallas. We know that uh, being Packer fans, especially in the last decade plus, there isn't a, a big of emphasis put on inside linebacker use and play as there is in Dallas just because of their schemes. And I think that'll also help Jalen Smith out as well. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I think this is all I think upside. It's this I is think it's all upside. upside. For, totally. Uh, Cowboys, you know, reading a little more, why did they wait four games into the 2021 season to do this and why not wait longer? Well, according to sources, they did have some trade discussions and were willing to eat a good portion of a $7.2 million base salary, but nothing came to fruition uh, with those trades. I just don't think the Packers have anything to lose from it. I mean, best case scenario, you get a, a Pro Bowl caliber Jalen Smith back. Worst case scenario, you get a Jalen Smith that looks like the Jalen Smith of the last year and a half, and he continues to be like your third inside linebacker for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, Packers needed it, though. I mean, they needed some a body, some depth there, so excited to see the upside that hopefully Jalen Smith I would Smith rather brings. have Jalen Smith being my third inside linebacker if it all goes poorly than Kamal Martin being my third inside linebacker. <laughs> potentially trying to use him at outside linebacker and realizing that actually you're not going to use him anywhere and cutting him. I would rather have Jalen Smith any day over Kamal Martin. Yeah, maybe just some guys just need to change the scenery, man, and maybe he just needed to change the scenery. I know that linebacker room is getting pretty crowded in Dallas as well. So uh, Big Mike and Jerry Jones saying goodbye to Jalen Smith. Maybe they're doing the Packers a solid. Say, hey, maybe the Packers will grab this guy. Mike McCarthy still got catch, caught some feelings still. For his former club and said, I'll do you a solid now that Ted's gone. 
And Brian Gudekun stepped up and said, all right, I'll take you. And then uh, the other move, Stephon Gilmore did not come to the Packers, obviously, to a lot of uh, dismay to Green Bay Packers fans. Monetarily, uh, money-wise, it would be you know tough to figure out, but uh, when there's a will, there is a way, but there was not a will and there was not a way. You'd have to confirm this with Reese Draft, but I think, like you mentioned, Listen with up, the uh, Jalen Smith injury, I think it was kind of like what happened to Miles Jack, who fell to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the later rounds yeah. because of their major leg injuries, but that just shows how good of athletes they are to still be drafted in the second rounds with those type of major leg injuries moving forward at another higher level of football. And it's kind of the same thing with if people liked the Rashawn Gary draft, I don't get how they, they could hate this move. Well, we have a question here from true advisor on Twitch. Do you think Jalen Smith can be as good as Julius Peppers was for those two seasons when he came to the Packers. Well, they're not really going to play the same position. And Julius Peppers is an all-timer. And Julius Peppers was also old. Like, Julius Peppers, by the time he got to Green Bay, was an old, long-time vet. Yeah, I know that Jalen Smith has been around for a while. He's considered a veteran. But Julius he, Peppers was a veteran. Yeah, Julius Peppers was, like, closer to 35 years old when he came to Green Bay. It was a great move by the Packers, too. The only thing I regret about... Um, Jalen Smith's 26. Yeah. The only thing I regret, I'm, I'm sure Julius Peppers regrets, and I hope I hope Jalen Smith is as good as Julius Peppers. There's one thing I hope that Jalen Smith doesn't do that Julius Peppers did, and that's if the Packers are in the playoffs and look like they're going to advance uh, to a Super Bowl, that I hope that Jalen Smith doesn't tell like an Eric Stokes, if Eric Stokes were to pick off the ball, to go down. As Julius Peppers told, what was it? Was it Haha Clinton Dix to go down? Yeah, Julius Peppers played for the Green Bay Packers from age 34 to 37. Man. Jalen like, Smith is 26 years old. Yeah. He's uh he's old younger than you, Rowdy. And younger than me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I'm slightly older than Jalen Smith. Same grade, but slightly older. Oh, I thought you were twenty seven. Yeah, same grade, but I'm. Oh, I've oh, sorry, already turned older. That's funny. I just turned 27 <laughs> for our age group. He will turn it later this. So there you go. Um, can he be as good as Julius Peppers? I hope so. That'd be awesome. Julius Peppers was freaking amazing for the Packers, except for him telling. Uh, I I do believe it was Haha Clinton Dix to go down when they picked off. Uh, what was that? Russell Wilson. So <sighs> bad memories. I. <laughs> <laughs> Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy is the number. Uh, react if you would like to the Jalen Smith move or the move that didn't happen with Stephon Gilmore, as Devontae Adams is out there actively recruiting him. Aaron Rodgers also on the podium yesterday saying he never gets his hopes up for these things. Instead, the Packers get a different cornerback. That would be uh, Rasul Douglas off of Arizona's practice squad, who is a third round pick out of Philly. In 2017, a West Virginia product, uh, six foot two, 209 pounds, spent part of the training camp this past summer with the Raiders, and then Houston, and then joined the Cardinals practice squad in early September. So we'll talk about Jair Alexander coming up because that's a concern uh, for the Packers as well because they're still waiting on all of the different opinions of all their medical experts. So. What are they going to do with that shoulder is a big question for Jair Alexander. That's tough. It is a big question because all of a sudden you have Jair Alexander being dinged up with the shoulder. 
You have Kevin King, who has been a walking injury the majority of his career. And you have Eric Stokes as your top three corners. Eric Stokes is obviously young and inexperienced. The guy has only played in four games. And he's really only been out there a ton for, what, two or three out of those four games? Obviously, we've talked about it. He's looked good at times. He's gotten beat at times. There there looks like there's some flashes there that he can really be a solid corner. Yep. But at the same time, he's young and experienced, and if Jair Alexander is out for a long period of time, he all of a sudden becomes your number one. Yeah, it's go time. It's go time, young man. And that, that might be a little bit sooner than the Packers were hoping he would be their number one, if at all, in his career, if they could lock down Jair Alexander into the future. They call it trial by fire, Rowdy. Our guy, Rob Reichel, joining us. Robbie, what's up, brother? Bad boy, you make it all like I'm some kind of Urban Meyer or something like that, Evo. Well, Rob, um, I haven't seen any videos of it, but you're not uh, out there <laughs> out there grinding on some um, any individuals at bars, are you, in Ohio? Well, th- thankfully in the 90s, they didn't have phones like they do today, Evo. <laughs> that's, that's probably the last time I tore it up like Urban. Uh, yeah, what a video. Uh, if Urban Meyer was 4-0, and though, Robbie, I don't think they would care. But since they're 0-4, it's... Uh... I, I, I don't know. There's always a segment of the world that's going to care about stuff like that. Uh, right? You just don't you listen to them. They're called losers, Robbie. You just don't listen. Right. No, I, I, I'm with you. You throw in the fact, though, that they are 0-4, and he had the Tebow nonsense, and he's, he's made a lot of goofy decisions and things like that since then. You, you, you wonder if he's trying to get himself fired and wind up at USC, right? It's kind of the vibe, right? Kind of yeah, vibe. yeah, but I mean, we digress. We're off topic. Hey, uh, which, well, which, which never takes us long, does it, Evo? Rob? I mean, this is what the show is predicated on: getting off topic. Uh, Rob Reichel <laughs> joining us right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media, covering the Green Bay Packers. Robbie, yesterday there was uh, Packer fans getting their hopes up, right? Patriots released Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback. Also, the Cowboys released their linebacker Jalen Smith. Rowdy, who is taking a going a little bathroom break he'll be here in a second did say that the Packers will whiff on Stephon Gilmore and probably kick the tires on Jalen Smith and that's apparently what's happening uh, was it the least surprising news that the Packers did not go for Stephon Gilmore first uh good call there first of all by Rowdy and it, it, it it's funny uh Evo if if Packer Nation went that bongos about not signing Stephon Gilmore who's not even eligible to come off IR yet, and we'll see what he has left when he, when he does play. Can you imagine what Packer Nation is going to be like in February when they have to start cutting people because they're $40, $50 million over the cap when they trade Aaron Rodgers, when they cut Zedarius Smith, when they, when they cut Billy Turner, when they cut Adrian Amos, whoever it turns out to be. I, I had that thought yesterday, Evo, and, and, I, and I'll, get, I'll get here in a second to, to Gilmore and Smith, but my God, it's, it's February and March going to just be absolutely nuts for Packer Nation when they have to start waving goodbye to I'm here for you know, five I'm or here six high-level starters. I can't wait. But, um, no, I, I mean, honestly, Evo, I mean, for, for short term anyways, I mean, Gilmore couldn't come back and, and help you, I guess, and unless, you know, he, you know, if, had they made a trade for him, Evo, he was going to have to stay on that six-week injured reserve list that he's on anyways. I think the only way he could have come back and played in the immediate future um, and let the, you know, with, with Alexander out, they, they do need some help back there ASAP. Uh, but had they made a trade for him, Evo, you know, he was going to have to stay on that IR list until at least as long as Bakhtiari does, for example, right? That's that six-week deal. Had the, had the Patriots cut him, I think they could have reevaluated and looked at that, and then maybe he could have given you some help right away. And, and, and I know Gilmore's been a stud. He's a four-time pro bowler. 
I, the thing, Evo, is we just don't know what he has left. Um, Jalen Smith probably gives you more help right away. It, it wouldn't surprise me within a week, Evo, if he, he's starting an inside linebacker next to Devondre Campbell and they move forward with, with Smith and Gary and, and Campbell and, and Smith number two again. Um, it's we're going to find out a lot more, I'm sure, over the next week. Dallas will release some things, I'm sure, what, what went wrong down there and, and why they eventually moved on from him. But, but Evo, this guy wasn't playing bad football whatsoever. Um, Dallas is playing a much, you know, much better defense than it has uh, over the last year or two. Uh, they've, they've had the emergence of the rookie Parsons, you know, but you know, Van Der Esch is a guy you can never fully trust down there. I, so I was surprised they moved on from Jalen Smith. There, there has to be more to the story, I think, Evo, than just his play on the field. And, and like I said, we're going to learn more about that. But for Green Bay in the short term, Evo, this is, this is a pretty solid pickup um, because they do need another, you know, they do need another inside linebacker slash pass rusher. You know, a guy who can get to the quarterback was the Darius potentially being out for, for the rest of the year. So I, I do think within a week or two, Evo, this is a guy who's going to help the defense. Rob Reichel joining us right now uh, from Forbes.com, Conley Media. Rob, what about the back of that defense? They also uh, add um, a cornerback, obviously not Stephon Gilmore, who we were just talking about, uh, but Rasul Douglas off of Arizona's practice squad. What's uh, This guy going to be like a body to fill some space, or what can we expect out of this cat? Yeah, former third-round pick, you know, his best days were in Philly. Um, probably just a body, I would think. Yeah. Now, we'll, we'll see, though, Evo. You know, I mean, my, kind of much like that Yadam they traded for, who's, you know, been a pretty good player so far on special teams. But you you saw them put him on the field in, in base the other night in, in the Steelers game, and, and, and even a tired old 77-year-old Ben Roethlisberger went to work on him. Uh, pretty quickly, Evo. So um, I, I would assume you'll have the same thing with Douglas, and it's going to take a couple weeks to integrate him and, and try to get him going. They're going to have to try to get by in the short term, Evo. Uh, with, with and I'm, I'm I can't even believe I'm saying this, but they, they, you know they're they're going to have to rely really heavily right now on Kevin King. Oh my and, God, Rob! Uh, oh Jesus! I I, I, I I apologize for ruining your day with that statement. <laughs> but, but the combination of King and Stokes, who has played really well uh, for the most part, but Shannon Sullivan has not played well whatsoever, and teams are picking on him. Um, so, Evo, you know, those are your top three quarterbacks moving forward for the foreseeable future. Matt LaFleur was very vague, said next to nothing yesterday on Jair Alexander. That news isn't going to be good. I mean, I, I think that's... Yeah, why do they keep getting different opinions? Is it because they don't want to hear the the answer that it's going to be bad? It is, it's like the guy who keeps getting told he has cancer and goes to the next doctor who tells him the same thing, right? I I, I would assume, and 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 I, my apologies to anybody else there with a much you know uh, much worse disease than J- uh, Jair Alexander's shoulder right now. But you're spot on with that. I I don't think. You know, I I think I think it's coach speak first of all, Evo. But then I'm sure they're looking for other opinions, seeing you know if, if they can avoid surgery, uh, how they can get him back as soon as possible. Um, uh, only they know exactly what doctors are telling him, Evo. But I, you know, when 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 they dance around it to that level, and and the coach speak is what it is, like Lafleur had yesterday, it's not going to be good news. I, I don't think you're going to see Jair Alexander back on the field for quite some time. Uh, Evo and Lame. they're gonna have to get by with these three guys is is one two and three and uh, again unless they make a move and 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 don't be surprised Evo if, if if they go ahead and make 
you know, make another move or two as, as the trade deadline gets closer. Don't forget, when this offseason hits and they trade Rodgers and potentially Adams, they're going to get back so much draft capital, it's, it's going to be remarkable. Um, so what's a fifth-round pick right now for a corner? What's a fourth-round pick for an outside linebacker, right? What's a, what's a fourth for another wide receiver? I do think Brian Gutekunst, when the trading deadline gets here at the end of the month, is going to be remarkably active in the trade, um, you know, the, trying to make a trade and, and beef up this roster if this indeed, and, and we all believe it is, if this is indeed the, the last dance uh, with these guys. So, um, Evo, Evo, I expect them to be active here in the next three, four weeks, try to beef up the roster, but in the short term, which is Cincinnati this week, Chicago next week, they're going to have to try to get by with, with King, Stokes, and Shandon Sullivan and, um, I don't think that I don't I don't think they'll have a, a, a real big issue doing that against the Bears, Evo. But they're going to be challenged big time uh, in their matchup on Sunday against the Bengals. Robbie, can I just be that old man yelling at a cloud saying, "If only Jair Alexander would have wrapped up, that never would have happened." <laughs> well, you'll be with me. We're, we're usually yelling at the same cloud these days, Nelly, and, yeah. and 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 there's and there's probably a two decade gap between our years, so. Uh, between our ages, I've heard so a lot I, of people describe I, Nelly as the old man that yells at the clouds. Yeah, no, I, 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 I certainly love how Nelly is twenty-seven, going on fifty-four. So, um, <laughs> God love you, Nelly. Yeah, well, yeah, we do love him. We do love him, Rob. Just like we love you too. Hey, you're, Rob. You're, you're spot on. You, you, you can also yell at that same cloud. Why five years into his career, Kevin King ducks his head every time he makes a tackle, and people go right around him or over him. Yeah, uh, uh, Rob, can we not bring Kevin King up anymore in the segment? All right, Rob, thanks for joining us uh, right now. Robbie, you did allude to uh, the matchup against the Bengals coming up here on Sunday. Uh, what do you see happening in this game as the Packers kick off at noon against uh, Joey B and uh, the Bengal Boys? Yeah, it's really interesting, Evo. When I when I looked at the schedule close at the start of the year, this is about where I expected Green Bay. I, I thought they'd lose the San Francisco game and win the New Orleans game, but you know, I expected them to be three and one. But I expected the Bengals to probably be in that one and three range, and I looked at this and thought, boy, this is a this is a big time trap game. Uh, well, it's it's not that anymore. I mean, this is this is a Bengals team tied for first in their division, where where this is a this is a game in in week five already, guys. That that has a lot of meaning for for both sides. It's it's a Cincinnati team on the rise, guys, and and, and kind of really on the come. And and I mean, if you look at it right now, and I I kind of broke this down yesterday. There's no question to me, Joe Burrow's, Joe Burrow's in that 10-12 to 12 range right now uh, among quarterbacks in the league, guys. He's, he, he, and, and I think a year or two from now, we're going to easily put him in the top 10 and not have any, any real debates or discussions about it. It's going to almost be a no-brainer. Um, they, they, they've got a better offensive line for him than they did last year when they put him out there to, to kind of be a sitting duck, and he ended up tearing his ACL, unfortunately for him. You know, but but he's got really good weapons now in the, in the pass game too, guys. And you know, Jamar Chase couldn't catch a cold in the in the in the preseason, and, and here he is with four touchdowns and 300 receiving yards already in the in the first uh, four games of the year, guys. That puts him on pace, you know, for 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns if he can somehow keep that up. T. Higgins is the second round pick last year, big strong kid from from Tennessee. Um, you know. I've, I, I will we'll see if he can go on Sunday, but he's a nice player. Tyler Boyd has 23, 24 catches, something like that, guys. They can run the ball with Mixon. Um, and, and really the understated and underrated part of this football team, Cincinnati, that is, guys, is, is that defense, which is 
which is eighth in points allowed and seventh in total defense. I mean, Green Bay's 20th, guys, in, in points allowed right now. Um, so it, it's good. the Packers are going to have their hands full, guys. Um, this, this isn't a walk into Cincinnati and, and just roll type of a deal. I know they only go to Cincinnati every eight years. They only play them every four years. But they haven't had great success when they've gone there. They lost that game in 2013, 34-30. I think they lost there in 05 with Favre. Um, it, it, it hasn't been a place, guys, where they've, they've gone and done particularly well. And, and I, I, think, I think this is going to be a, a one-score game, guys, decided in the last minute or two. Ooh, Robbie, one-score game, last minute or two. Do you, have a, do you have an inkling who comes out on top? I'm taking the upset, Evo. I I I I'm going more Kenny. I'm going Bengals Tigers. I, it's because there's more I, Kevin I King, isn't it? Quarterback's really good, and and, and Evo, this, this is a fan base that loves their Bengals. Uh, it'll be it'll be loud down there. Um, it, it, it won't be as easy for Rodgers wow, really. to, to to run and direct the offense. I'm gonna say something, guys, like 27-23, 30-27, something like that. But I I I like the Bengals with this one. Guys, to, yeah. to pull the upset and steal one before uh, Robbie. you know before Green Bay uh, goes to Chicago. All right, Rob. Before I let you go, let me ask you just a totally different question that's not involving oh, football. Boy. Are we living currently in the golden age of Brewers baseball with the Brewers legend manager, Craig Council? Again, the bar was set so remarkably low, right, for the first 45 years of this, of this organization. I, I know a guy who wrote a book about the 50 years of Brewer baseball, and I, I joked with him one day, and, and I said, what, what did you put in there? There's, there's no highlights. And, um, and, but, uh, you know, the, the, the ultimate franchise highlight, guys, is, is losing the World Series. Yes, the, the answer in a, in, in a word to your question, Hebo, is yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but they, they they've got to find. I mean this, this this is the best pitching staff they've ever had. They they better get it done. They they have the break of all breaks, right? That that the Dodgers, Cardinals, and Giants are on one side of the bracket, and they're sitting over there on that other side with the Braves. For God's sake, I mean they they better win that series. They'll be an underdog no matter who they play the next round. If whatever happens there is fine. But 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 evil if they lose this series somehow to the Braves. Um, will you call for the, will you call for the firing? Will you call for the firing of Craig Council if they lose to the Braves? Nobody's going to fire that guy. He just won ninety five six games, whatever it was, and and they're back at the playoffs. And and everybody in Milwaukee loves him, but but I, you know me, I have my doubts and my reservations, and I am terrified that he's going to be the reason they lose this series to the Braves. Robbie, we love you. Despite, uh, you know, uh, you picking the Bengals to beat the Packers. We still love you, Robbie. You the man, Rob. All right, guys. You have a, you have a great weekend. And, and, boy, let's help our Badgers can get back on track. Yeah, notice how I didn't bring them up, Rob. There's a reason for that. Probably smart. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that, you, you think Kevin King will ruin your ratings. Wait till, wait till you talk Badger football, right? Uh, Rob, we love you. We'll check out Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Reichel on Twitter. You the man, Robbie. See you, boys. See you, buddy. There he is, Rob Reichel. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. I think 
this is what this booze hound Aaron Knutson is talking about. Uh, Knutson said, hey, I missed the clip of the announcer from last night. You should play it again. And I said, what do you mean, boozy? He says, the kid who I work with was listening and heard it. I wasn't in the truck. He said it was funny. Play it. Oh, the annou- I think he's talking about Max Scherzer. Um, if you missed it, last night, the L.A. Dodgers ended up dispatching the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL wildcard game. There was a walk-off. Uh, take a listen real quick. Reyes fires, swing and a drive, deep left field, this is way back, walk him off, Chris Taylor! So there's that, there's the walk off from Chris Taylor, and then obviously the celebrations begin, right Rowdy? That's what happens in baseball, if you win your division, if you win a wild card, if you win a divisional series, if you win a championship series, and then if you do indeed win a world series, you celebrate each and every time. You bring out the beer goggles. You get out the tarps. You get out the champagne, the bubbly, the beer, and you just party your ass off like you just won it all despite it, you know, for the Dodgers last night, a wild card. And I think this is what our guy Boozy Knutson is wants to hear. Uh, Max Scherzer uh, took his shirt off. He's popping those pecs out, impressing everybody, and then had to do a little um, uh, hit for TBS and couldn't really hear there's some audio issues and echo in his headphones, but and he was also wasted. So boozy, Aaron Knudsen, who definitely knows a booze hound when he hears one. Listen to Max Scherzer all boozed up. Yeah, K-Long told me a couple days ago. I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> I can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> Rowdy, from when they won the game to that interview, how long do you think the time frame was from winning the game to then Scherzer popping his shirt off to come on to talk to TBS in Atlanta? Like 15 minutes, maybe? Yeah. How is he already so wasted? It, it can't be more than a half hour. How is he already sounding like he's like three sheets to the wind? Let- yeah, K-Long told me a couple days ago. K-Long told me a couple days ago. Well, he did pitch, and when and it, and it was in L.A., where obviously it's a lot warmer than here, and he does create quite a lather while he's pitching. Maybe he was very dehydrated, hadn't really eaten anything yet, and it really got to him. Talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm hammered drunk after Two beers in 15 minutes and a shot of... Rowdy, what is with some of these professional... Is that why, you know, professional athletes got to watch what they eat? They got to be in the diet. They always got to be, you know, calorie intake in the gym. Is that what makes them lightweights? Is because there's such a strict diet? I mean, Scherzer, not to sound weird or nothing, but he's here in the interviews. I mean, he's got his shirt off. He's a chiseled dude. Like, he's definitely not eating many carbs. I doubt he's not eating a lot of sugar, which is in beer and alcohol. Is that why he's a lightweight, you think? Just because he's got the, the the diet and the workout routine? I don't How's well, he already hammered? I think Bartolo Colon said it. I think he said he's just a sissy. <laughs> uh, Bartolo Colon's the guy, when you look at him, it's like, this dude could drink a 30-pack and still be stone-cold sober. That gut. How do you think that gut got so big for Bartolo Colon? Not only did I crush two beers in two minutes, but I also did it while having two families in two different cities. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, Bartolo Colon. That dude had to play as long as he did because he had to support one public family and, yes, one hidden family. Uh, All right, Rowdy. When it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, an incredible on this day in history. I need a little music accompaniment. Where's my music? Come see 
Rowdy, it was on this day in history, October 7th, but the year, my friend, 1981. Do you know what happened on this day in history 40 years ago to this day? The Milwaukee Brewers played in their first ever postseason game. Robin Yount, Paul Malder, Ted Simmons, Raleigh Fingers, Cecil Cooper, Jimmy Gantner, Bud Selig, uh, and company. They made it for their first ever playoff appearance, Rowdy, 40 years ago today. What do you think about that, dude? Well, just, I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers, they started out as the Seattle Pilots in 1969. They became the Milwaukee Brewers in 1970. They've now been a franchise for 51 years. It took them until 1981 to make the playoffs. Yep. 1981. Again, they were the Milwaukee Brewers starting back in 1970. And then when they traded for CeCe Sabathia, he carried the team. And obviously Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder, and all those guys in 2008 made it to the playoffs for the first time. It was the first time in forever. Yeah. Like, like four, they, had, yeah. they had the... They didn't do anything in the 70s. They had the 80s. They didn't do anything in the 90s. They didn't do anything in the early 2000s. It took till 2008. (laughs) And then they had eight. They had 11. And then again, there was a nice long, I guess you would say dry, dry patch until 2018 again. Yep. And now we're here. A playoff or a franchise playoff record four in a row. And that was where you asked the question yesterday, and you kind of posed it earlier today. Are we in the golden age of Brewers baseball? And it's so hard to answer that question because the Brewers, well, they made it to the postseason, what, eight times now? So it's not like there's a ton of times that you can really talk about at this point. Now, you do have a World Series appearance um, in, in 1982. That's what That's what I'm saying. It's like... It's not like they're necessarily have a ton of success, I guess you would say, to it's pick and, from. It's, it's few and very, far between. Very few and far between. But, I mean, you just look at the years that they made it. And you start with 1981. Obviously, 1982 was the year they yep. lost to the Cardinals in the World Series. And then once you, once you get after that, you had... At 81, they lose to the Yankees. Yeah, then you have 2008... 2011, 18, 19, 20, and 21. That's it. Are we in the golden age right now? Now, now, granted, in the 80s, they had a lot of teams that were good that didn't make it out because they also played in the AL East, which was your Yankees. It was your Red Sox. So they had good teams that had some good records but still didn't make the postseason because there wasn't a wild card. There wasn't a wild card to... Like, there wasn't all these spots available to play. There wasn't eight teams one year. You mean they weren't handing out a bunch of participation trophies? Exactly. So, they had other good good teams in the 80s that narrowly missed the playoffs. But, yes, outside of those two years in the 80s, they had nothing in the 90s, nothing in the early 2000s. And it was just 2008, 2011, and then the last four years. And I think a lot of us would even say 2020, being the eight seed, playing the Dodgers for two extra games after a very underwhelming um Brewer's season when you thought that coming off of 18 and 19 with the same, I guess, uh, crew of guys was very underwhelming. So um, I don't really see how you can't. I know there was a World Series in 82. Didn't win it, obviously. Uh, But right now, this has been four straight years in a row. That's a franchise record for a playoff appearance for the Brewers. 
you have all this winning. You have NL Centrals uh, who have won. You know, you have a guy who might be winning Cy Young and Corbin Burns, and you got a lot of expectations. I, you know, you're one game away from the World Series in 2018. I don't see how you can say it's not the golden age of Brewers baseball. It also defines: Are you defining World Championships, World Series, obviously World Series, or making it to the World Series, or are you just talking competitive? baseball making the playoffs because you could even go to 2017 and they were a game away from making the playoffs yep and then obviously 18 like you said one game away from going to the world series 19 they lost in that wild card game to the eventual winner in the uh, washington nationals 2020 they lost to well the eventual winner in the dodgers (laughs) and now 2021 they play in the nlds against the braves and let's not forget 2011 they lost to the eventual world series champion in um, the St. Louis Cardinals. <sighs> that means that means 11? Well, 82. Friggin' Cardinals, man. Just off the top of my head, 82, they lost to the champion, Cardinals, in the World Series. <clears throat> 2011, they lost to the Cardinals in the NLDS. <clears throat> or, sorry, NLCS. <clears throat> they were the champion. 2018, they lost to the Dodgers, who did not win that year. Nope. 2019, they lost to the Nats, Nats, who won. Nats was the one that won. And then 2020, they lost to the Dodgers, who won. Yeah, so the Brewers have lost to a, a couple of eventual So champions I guess or... you would say out of the eight times that they made the playoffs, at least four of them, they lost to the eventual champion. That's just tough titties right there. I'd have to go half and do... The, half the time you're losing to the eventual champion? Yeah, I'd have to go do more research from some of the other years. But uh, off the top of my head, at least four of them. Wow. And now you look at the Brewers, obviously the Braves coming into town tomorrow. I don't think the Braves are going to be confused as an eventual champion when you got the likes of the Giants and the Dodgers going at it in the other side, and the Brewers, obviously, against the Braves. I would love, man, I just, if I had a DeLorean or like a, a new Miss Cleo or if I had a crystal ball to see what happens. But that's the drama and the beauty of sports. Is the, the Tom Petty said it's the waiting's the hardest part, but uh, we only have one more sleep. But, Rowdy, looking here, on this day in history, though, it's what kind of started it all. The 1981 crew paving the way, as Cecil Cooper did say, we should have won uh, as they lose to the Yankees, right, in that opening round in 81. That's the first time they made the playoffs on this day in history, 40 years ago. A 25-year-old Robin Yount, a 24-year-old Paul Molitor. And you have these guys that eventually would just become Brewers icons for the rest of the year. Yeah, so in 81... The Yankees lost in the World Series to the Dodgers. So they lost to the team that made it to the World Series. Mm-hmm. In 82, they lost to the Cardinals in the World Series. Uh, 2008, that was the year they lost to the Phillies. Correct? Yeah. The Phillies won the World Series in 2008. Oh, my God. Of course, yeah. 2011, they lost to the Cardinals. Cardinals won the World Series in 2011. <laughs> In 2018, they lost to the Dodgers. That was the team they made the World Series. 2019, they lost to the Nats in the wild card game, who won the World Series. And 2020, they lost to the Dodgers, who won the World Series. So actually, every single year in Brewers' uh, postseason history, which they've made it eight years, they've lost to either the World Series champ or the team that uh, represented the NL in the World Series. Now, how do you... That's kind of hurts, doesn't it? That's just that's just pain. That's the nut kick continuum. 
Uh, our guy Corey and Marshall. <laughs> and six out of the eight, I guess you would say, were the World Series champs. That's impressive in a not good way. Corey in Marshall messages in. He hits me up on Facebook. He says, I can see experience. I can say experiencing the crew seasons back in the 80s, they were a ton of fun to watch as a youngster, but not much success. Yelp, Mulder, Gantner says, much more success now, though, and ironically, more nerve-wracking because they have a legit shot now. <laughs> uh, very interesting. You're, that, and that's the thing. When they first made... So my Brewer fandom really started, like, basically in the 2000s. And mine's in the 90s. It started with that, Rowdy. It, it started with, like, basically the building of Miller Park. Well... When they finally got hot, they made the trade for CC Sabathia. He pitched like every three days and Ryan Braun had some clutch moments. Prince Fielder had some clutch moments and they finally won and they played the Phillies. Mm. Phillies were stacked. Yeah, they were at that time. Top to bottom. There was no way that anyone thought that they were going to come in and really beat the Phillies. Like you might win a CC Sabathia game against the Phillies, but did you really think you were going to win a series against that team? No, stacked. 2011, I think a lot of people thought after winning the NL Central, they're like, okay, this is a team. They 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 could potentially make a World Series, but they've also, they have the pesky Cardinals. And the Cardinals were exactly what they were. Pesky, feisty, found ways to win. David Fries had his career year. Yep. Yep. 2018, you run into the big bad Dodgers who spend all the money. 2019, you just run into an extremely hot, Washington national team, which it was, get, a one they, game they hot, yep. it was a one game playoff. And I, I said this at the time, Josh Hader couldn't find the strike zone and Trent Grisham couldn't feel the ball, but also you can look at that, but you, you look at it as it was the one game playoff. The Washington nationals were stacked that year for a rotation. There's no way the 2019 brewers beat the Washington nationals in a legit series. Their best shot was that one game yeah. and they blew it and they blew it. 2018, Again, with the Dodgers, we can go back and forth about this, but I think they should have won that series. They should have played in the World Series. There were a couple couple uh, pitching changes that uh, Craig Council made that I thought definitely lost game two and potentially lost another game later in that series, but get past it. And then 2020, the Brewers had no shot in that Dodgers no, series. No, none. Yeah, it was over. Well, we're still kind of get it, getting all the opinions, um, but... I'll, I'll have an update for you guys on Wednesday. Say good morning to Mike Clemens, our NFL Packer insider. Good morning, Mike. LaFleur has an update. Well, what was the update from LaFleur? Well, uh, yeah, we kind of waited since Monday about Jair Alexander. Jair is uh, tackling uh, Najee Harris, big running back from the Steelers. It yeah. looked like what actually caused the injury was when his shoulder, right shoulder, was driven into the turf. And so, you know, there was a re- one report that maybe it's an AC joint. You don't know if it's a broken bone or not. Or not. Now, there was one report from Tom Silverstein from the Journal Sentinel on Tuesday that said, you know what, they're, they're, going, they're, they're showing the MRI to vi- the very shoulder specialists around the country about what's the best way to treat this. Can we do this without surgery? Uh, is there a way that we could come up with a method to maybe put this guy in a shoulder brace, say, in three, four weeks, you know, when some of the swelling or pain or whatever subsides. So these are kind of things you're talking about. But we thought the way LaFleur was on Monday that, you know, he would have a more clear plan, like, okay, here's where Jair's at, here's some of the ideas that we have for him and all that. So one of the first questions last night, they had a late practice for some reason, 
uh, getting back from you know a very physical game against the Steelers, and only only practice in, in just helmets and and, and shorts. Lafleur was asked uh, right off the bat, "Okay, so does Jair Alexander need surgery for the shoulder injury?" Does uh, Jair need surgery? Well, we're still gathering opinions on that, and um, you know, I know he's gonna. We're gonna try to avoid that at all costs. Do you have an idea for how long he's going to be out? I don't. How this week, though? Yeah. Most likely. You guys just love to just try to pry every piece out of me. But you said you didn't have an update on that. Okay. You did. Yes, we did. Not to mention, if he's not playing, what does it matter? You know? It's called a thing called preparation. Mike LaFleur... Very, very testy. Who pooped in his Cheerios? Well, you know, awkward, right? Yeah. You know, and I mean, afterwards, I was talking to some of the guys last night, like, what was that all about? How does he not have, here's what, here's what I'm going to say, here's what we want to reveal right now, here's how we feel about it. Just give us something that, instead of that exchange. Now I know why. Why? Just broke about 30 minutes ago from NFL Network. Chauncey Rivers, one of their outside linebackers, which, you know, they're kind of short because of Zedarius and the back surgery last week. Chauncey, who had 19 snaps against the Steelers, he's a special teams guy, but they work him into some packages. On the second-to-last play of last night's practice, in helmets and shorts, almost just kind of like a jog-through, ACL, no. done for the year, snaps his knee. Oh, yeah. no, no. Yeah. So that's what, see, and he's not telling, LaFleur's not saying that. Yeah, I just saw another one of my players carted off the field. You just got to pry at everything, don't you, Mike? Well, you know, and then after after LaFleur leaves, that's when they send us the injury report, and it says Chauncey Rivers' uh, limited participation knee. Well, yeah, that means that he got three-fourths through the practice (laughs) before he had a season-ending ACL. They didn't put that part down. Crazy. So that's what's going It's like, oh, okay, all right, that explains the attitude. So in the meantime, you know, he's thinking about he's got to face a, an impressive uh, Bengals offense. You know, they, these guys, you know, this, uh, this uh, tight end they've got back, the C.J. Ozuma, he looks great. Tyler Boyd making nice uh, catches over the mill, Jamar Chase in there, and Joe Burrow, man, against the – Jaguars on Thursday night football last week. They've got 10 days coming in. Um, you saw that kid rolling out under pressure, and he's waving to his tight end. No, go over there and flips him the ball for, you know, one of the go-ahead touchdowns. And by the way, you know, Thursday night football, highest ratings in three years, all's up for primetime football. So we asked LaFleur about, you know, how Joe Burrow seems to be already, you know, in his second year, he looks more like a five-year quarterback so far. I just think every time I've ever watched any crossover tape with with the Bengals, he he definitely has flashed, and you see great plays all over the place. And I think just look at what happened to them last year. I think they they started off on the right track, and then you lose your your quarterback, and uh, it can go south in a hurry. So I think that is a credit to him and just the type of player he is. I know I've I've had many conversations with Zach in terms of this guy's mentality and demeanor, and he speaks the world of him. So I, I think that he definitely has a swag and a confidence about him. I think that plays well with the locker room. You know, I think he's a premier quarterback in this league. Yeah, is the new face, one of the new faces, up-and-comers. Uh, they still need a defense, though, the Bengals do, to stop a guy like Aaron Rodgers, though, who's a, a constant, right? 
Yeah, but you know the Bengals are now three and one. Kind of a surprising three and one. And one of the things is they're keeping other teams off the field and out of the end zone. And Lafleur asked about what he sees on tape so far about the Bengals' defense. Well, I think it all starts with Hendrickson and and uh, Hubbard off the edge. And I mean, there's DJ Reader inside, Cam Sample. They've got a lot of guys that. They cause some problems for you up front. They're tough to block. They're big. They're physical. But the thing that stands out more more so than anything is just the relentless effort that they play with. They are running all over the place. You know, it's just it's a it's a really sound defense. And those guys are out there balling. They're executing at a high level. And you know, we're going to have to be on our A game on offense. I think they do a great job. Specifically, when you look at third down, they, these guys will get up and challenge you. I'm pretty sure that the Packers will be on their A game, especially a guy named Aaron Rodgers who once beat a astronaut in Celebrity Jeopardy, Mike. He's pretty smart out there on that field, isn't he? He is. You know, he's known for uh, standing there at the line, and he sees another team making a late substitution. And so technically they got 12 men on the field, and he quick gets the, you know, the center to snap it, and that's a free play. You know, they, they've thrown the flags. They've called the defense for offsides. And, and usually you also see defenses standing around because they don't know what's going on. And the next thing you know, you've got like a Devontae Adams or an Alan Lazard or somebody streaking downfield, and Rodgers just flips in the ball, and it's a 35-yard gain or a touchdown. You know, the free play, he's the master at it. Well, Zach Taylor is the uh, head coach of the Bengals, and now he's got Burrow back, and suddenly after two losing seasons, um, you know, they're 3-1, and one, and they look pretty dangerous. And Zach has been a, you know, a quarterback coach in the league, and he says, you know what, he is showing young quarterbacks like Burrow and other guys he's coached for the last 10 years, he's showing what he calls situational football. You know, we watch how Rodgers is always watching what the other team is doing, what's coming in off their sidelines and those kinds of things, and that's how he gets those free plays. So I asked Aaron about that as well. Here's Zach Taylor. It's hard to find people better at that kind of situational stuff. There's a lot of things that probably don't show up in the stat sheet that he does situationally that are just tremendous that you use to teach quarterbacks over the 10 years I coach quarterbacks. There's so many situational clips of Aaron Rodgers that you used. I think the one from Sunday is a great example, uh, you know, with him and Tomlin of, you know, Tomlin saw it coming, knew that they were going to get caught with 12. You know, if you're not unimpeded to the quarterback, they're going to get a free play there uh, to take a shot. On top of that, we got to be smart with our substitutions because he just he stares your sidelines down while he listens to the play and tries to catch with 12 guys. And Aaron, Zach Taylor said the other day, he's teaching situational football to younger quarterbacks. He, for the last 10 years, he's been going to your tape, the league. Is it tougher and tougher for you to find those free plays? Yeah, it's good, though. I can just have a glance over and they can nope. holding holding guys back. Uh, it's a good thing. Just the more that they have to think about, I think, is, is good. The cadence has always been a weapon for us. You know, maybe because we've drawn a lot of guys off sides and had big plays, it's kind of overshadowed the real uh, advantage that it gives us is that those guys just can't get off on the snap count every single time. So the way that we mix it up and the different types of cadence that we use at, at home and on the road, actually, I think gives us a, a level playing field on the road a little more. And Mike, when it comes to Zach Taylor, who we just heard from in the start of that clip, him and Matt LaFleur kind of buddies in a previous life together with the Rams? Yeah, some interesting ties. Do you know that Zach Taylor is married to Mike Sherman's daughter? What? Yeah, and they have four kids. I had no idea. So, Ebo, if you said, hey, man, if you like, if you want a blind date, I could hook you up with Mike Sherman's daughter, I'd say, you know, pass, right? It just, I don't know. It just, you know, I was around that guy for five years. It's just like, I don't think you want to go there. But actually, 
is quite attractive. They have four children, lovely family, and Zach Taylor, you know, has made his way through the league as an offensive guy, as a quarterback uh, coach. He played quarterback in college. Uh, in 2017, when Sean McVay takes over the Rams, he brings along Matt LaFleur, and LaFleur was his quarterback's coach, and Zach Taylor was an offensive assistant, and they actually had offices across the hallway. And so, you know, Zach Taylor was asked, so what was LaFleur like when you guys were together at the Rams back in 2017? Yeah, really detailed, um, you know, just consumes tape and, and, and understands and, and can recall every look, and rarely did you ever want to get a get an argue with Matt about something that was on tape because he was, he was always right. And uh, he's just a tremendous person. He and I became really close friends over that year we were together. I remember I was at Disneyland when he called me to tell me he was going to Tennessee and I, I couldn't believe it, you know, after one year, but it was just a great opportunity for him. Um, we've always stayed close and, and uh, just love the way he goes about his business and treats people. So Matt LaFleur has got a memory when it comes to uh, tape grinding. So does a guy named Aaron Rodgers. Um, are they going to have a battle of wits here, Mike, at Lambeau? Well, yeah, I mean, um, uh, well, actually, going to be in Cincinnati. But well, it, I mean, those uh, Rodgers and uh, LaFleur, are they going to have their own like impromptu battle of wits? Right. Aaron Rodgers' recall is amazing. You can say, hey, what about that time that you know the Packers played the Bengals in 2005 and the guy stole the ball from Favre's hands? You know, he, he knows exactly what you're talking about. Play, time, distance, all that. Tremendous recall. But I've heard this now. A couple of times from other guys around the league about Lafleur is like yeah he's got a pretty good memory he can remember situations and in games and defenses that matched up and so I thought well maybe this is one of the things that Aaron Rodgers likes about Matt Lafleur because he's finally got a coach who can match him for recalls so I asked Aaron I said you know I'm hearing this around the league from the all these guys that Lafleur worked with over the years as he got to his head coaching job in Green Bay. He's got a pretty good memory, too. I said, can, can LaFleur's recall match yours? No, nobody can match me with that. <laughs> no. He's got a good recall, though. Can't match me. <laughs> He's got a good recall, Mike, but Rodgers has total recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good movie. So, <clears throat> so there's that, and then there's, there's the thing going on between Rodgers and Devontae Adams and how they work it up. And, man, I wish every listener I could have had you with me there on the sidelines. It was the 25th of August, during the last week of camp. So, you know, the, 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 the first, the veterans, the, you know, the 30 guys that were being arrested in the preseason, they really were working intensely during practice to make it feel like a game-like situation. So we had this practice. We're outside there. had got, got these really good team 11-on-11 drills. And, you know, Rogers is just slinging the ball around. But all of a sudden, there's a flash of lightning and a thunderstorm coming. So then LaFleur says, all right, you know, get in. We get out of the lightning. Let's go down. So we go inside the Hudson Center. Well, this intensity continues. Uh, the, the second team offense goes out there. So on the sideline, and I'm standing maybe 15 feet from these guys. I mean, Rogers and Devontae are yelling and shouting and excited and they're, they're, they're being creative, and Aaron goes, look, look, on the next series, they're like kids. They're, they're so excited about the next series in two-minute drill down by the uh, you know, goal line that maybe if, if, if Devontae just turns to his left and his right, and then Rodgers could do So then he's working on his footing and his timing and all this, and sure enough, they go and they run that play, and he throws this low and outside ball to Devontae for a touchdown, and you know, it's like, wow, it was really intense. And I said, 
I said to Devontae last night, are you and Rodgers, do you do that? I mean, do you make up plays during practice as if you're on the sidelines of a game and trying to be creative? I'm sure if you went up to Tesla, you see Elon Musk and, and whoever he's supposed to be talking to, they'd be having pretty intense conversation about what they do. It's really the same for us. I mean, they it's obviously a much different world, but the way that we look at our, our um you know, our craft and, and our job is similar to, you know, the way that they would in, in my mind. I mean, I haven't really spent much time around Elon, but I, I would imagine that it'd be pretty intense when they're talking about the putting this to that and doing all that. It's, it's going to be a lot. So we get fired up. We, I mean, we're football nerds, me and Aaron. So that's the type of stuff that gets us excited is talking about scheme and, and ways to, you know, it gets more and more challenging the more plays you make you know more they respect him the more they respect me it's going to be tougher and tougher so it just allows us to pick up our level of thinking um you know our pace everything so it's it's fun so we, we definitely get turned up off of that sometimes football geeks mike i love it hey uh matt lafleur's people just messaged me and said could you ease off of matt lafleur a little bit in these press conferences and stop being so prying okay he's just trying to do right. his job all right just like did you ever look at Matt LaFleur and be like, yo, Matt, I'm also just trying to do my job here. It is my job to pry. Have you ever said that to him or anything like that or uh, a coach? Um, no. In no, a nice way? That, that, a nice that's way? confrontational. You would just, that's kind of you know, the PR staff's job. But anyway, <laughs> you would just say, you know, look, you know, for the enjoyment of the fans, and you know, we, don't, we did have a long discussion with him actually during that press conference about uh, just how much does this stuff actually change game plans. And he said, you know, he said, you know, if I was with the Bengals, I would be preparing for Jair Alexander, although we all probably know there's no way he's going to play. So the Brian Gooden can stop making moves with the loss of uh, Jair Alexander for who knows how long. Kevin King still, you know, on the fence about coming back from a, a concussion. Yeah. They brought in an, another experienced uh, defensive back, Rasul Douglas. He's 26 years old. He was on the Cardinals practice squad, but he started 11 games last year for the Panthers. They made a run at Stephon Gilmore, the 31-year-old veteran who got released by the Patriots, but Stephon ended up signing with the Panthers because that's closer to his home in Carolina. And now it looks like, in fact, the Packers are adding another linebacker. And this was you know, before the Chauncey Rivers ACL in practice last night. Yeah. Jalen Smith, he was a second-round pick for the Cowboys you know, a few years ago. Smith, by the way, played at Notre Dame when Matt LaFleur was a quarterback coach there. So the thing about Smith is physical guy, a second-round pick, but he's, he's always kind of lost in space. He's always kind of like off assignment and, and, and turned around. He, he was also, they owed him like $9 million. He had some sort of wrist injury. It got complicated. And I think at the end of the day, the Cowboys felt that they were okay at inside linebacker. So that's why they couldn't trade him, and they just ended up releasing him. Packers uh, looks like they're going to bring him in today and sign him in so is. they can add at least somebody with some experience. Well, Mike, we love all your experience here, uh, breaking it down to the Packers with us. Uh, always a pleasure. Always great stuff. We'll keep following along. Mike Clemens, NFL, and all your hits here. Bill Michaels, and uh, when you're on Grant Show. Mike, have a good one, brother. Thanks, Ebo. There he is. Mike Clemens, my man. Good stuff. There you go, Rowdy. Man, the floor getting pretty testy on that podium to start it off. Jeez. You guys are always just so prying, aren't you? Did you hear how testy you got there? Yeah, especially weird when the Packers are 3-1. and one. Yeah. Come on, LaFleur. He's up like a little bit, I could understand that if they're... My guy Mike's just trying to do his job. Right, it's it's more understandable if they were 1-3 and three and they were just playing really bad. Yeah. But, I mean, injuries happen if you... Yeah, Devin Williams punched the wall. Oh, wait, different sport. Injuries happen, Rowdy.
the second to last play, the dude tears his ACL and he's done for the year. Yeah, Chauncey Rivers. That's that's tough. All right, we'll put the final touches on the show next. Rowdy wanted it's it. Probably cut practice ten minutes early. Yeah. Rowdy requested we'll the save song. A lot of I those played injuries it for him. at the end. Rowdy said, "Can I hear some Tool before the show is over?" You got it. I Rowdy. never requested this. You got it, Rowdy. <laughs> 